Today is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. It is here. Get your coffee. Get out to vote. It is election day. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through the news of the cray, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Happy Election Day, guys. What's going on? Mini Monday. Well, we've made it, and this (laughs) Mini Monday is packed with a lot of chaos. Right? I mean, the news is going to be even crazier than it is every single day of the year, which is really saying something these days. The good news is your mailboxes will be less stuffed with uh, political attack ads for maybe the next foreseeable future. Uh, 2024 is going to start tomorrow, I feel like. So. Yeah, that's oh, true. You're right. It's really going to ramp up. But we are we are looking at the election today. Uh, we'll have a conversation on our main thing coming up with uh, CBN chief political analyst David Brody. Uh, Billy will be holding down the fort on that. We're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. It is election day, but don't get your hopes up too much that results will come in right away. This is all part of this disturbing, really, new reality that it's going to take days, maybe even weeks before winners are declared in certain races. And White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre spoke to this yesterday. We may not know all the winners of elections for a few days. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. That's how the, that's how this is supposed to work. And it's important for us to all be patient when while vote, votes are, are being counted. So that's the that's the White House saying be patient while the votes are being counted. Uh, but many aren't accepting that logic that this is how it's supposed to work. Uh, They're arguing that it shouldn't be that difficult to count ballots in one day. You got one job to count. Uh, They're arguing that the processing and election rules in some states are making the process slower. So um, you can join our team coverage of the election tonight, starting at 8 p.m. on the CBN News YouTube channel and also on the CBN News channel uh, and on CBNNews.com. We'll have two feeds going. John Jessup, Caitlin Burke, David Brody and the CBN News team on one feed. And then the three of us. Trey, Billy, and myself will be holding down the fort uh, also on the YouTube channel there. Looking forward to it. Should be uh, a lot of fun. And we're looking for your reaction, too, online. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through the results as they're coming in. We're going to be checking social media for um, how things are being reported. It should be a lot of fun. Um, we'd love to have you join us and do that. So, I mean, guys, you getting ready? I mean, are you pumped up? It's only, what, now going to be 13 hours from now. Be ready to well, rock. I've installed a coffee pot next to me <laughs> that I'm going to be able An to An IV, a coffee pot. IV right into the veins. Just inject it right, right in there. and That's right. Can't wait. I have a, a pop-up Starbucks store. It's actually in my dining room now. So we'll be all set to go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it is going to be, I mean, we're planning on being there till well into the evening. But as we were talking about there, guys, what do you make of this? I thought after COVID, maybe we'd revert after we saw the, really the mess that a lot of these delayed votes and now we've got a week to count these votes have, have all ha, has caused in the last couple elections. And I thought it would kind of go away and we'd revert from it. But now it seems everyone's doubling down on this and they're trying to make it sound like, well, this is just how it's supposed to work. No, I, yeah, not a fan of it. I feel like if you're doing early voting, that's fine. Look, if you want to do the early voting thing, that will be in by election day, right? The early voting should is fine. Be. I think these, yeah. it should be, right? This should not be a scenario where we're counting votes for eons after we should know on election day, unless it's razor thin, 
who won? Yeah. Well, I think all of this waiting and this hedging and we're not going to know for three days, four days, whatever it is. I think all that does is stir up more controversy and raises more questions about the legitimacy Mm -hmm. of elections. And the cynic in me is wondering, maybe that's intentional, right? Maybe we'll the White House can roll out this talking point because they know that there are already some Trump-leaning conservatives in particular who are prone to making this argument. Yeah. Uh, and then they can write them off, say, look, see, they're crazy for saying this. Uh, but, you know, maybe they have reasons for asking questions. Why are we waiting three days before we get a, a, a result? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of it either, personally. I think um, all it does is fuel the perception that our elections are not safe and secure. It opens more doors for people to question because look, there should be a window and a way for people to absentee vote. We've had that in place. If you have to work for many years, I've had to cover elections outside of my home area. So I couldn't hop out and go on election day. So I would vote absentee. There's a process in place for that. Aside from that, you should just go and do it on election day because that takes out all of this. Oh, well, we know this race is close and that one's close. And they must have known that this was falling behind. So they shipped in a bunch of ballots. All these questions and all these theories can pop up when you have this different timing on things, whether they're true or not. No one's ever going to know. And Um, All you're going to have is a bunch of uncertain people and people who don't believe the process. And one of the worst things that we could have happen in this country is for the population not to not to trust or believe any of the results that are coming in on both sides. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's 2022. You have every possible technological device in advance to get this done day of. We're acting like a horse in a carriage need to deliver the votes from all over (laughs) town to get them somewhere. It's gotten worse as we've gotten more. It's counting. It's counting. How hard is this? I thought technology, you're right, Billy. I thought technology was supposed to make things easier. I mean, it's it's counting. I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't calculus. This isn't advanced physics. This is counting. You can do it. You guys can do it. (laughs) Very few places. It irks me the way, uh, the way that we do this, right? That it's all, it's it's always like uh, memory holding how we did other things in the past. So we've always done it like this. It's always good to be safe. Uh, It's the same thing with, with COVID. Uh, None of that ever actually happened. Like what, what are you talking about? This is not how we've always done it right i mean this is i mean it's like the men in black they're pulling out the little flash in your in your eyes and (laughs) and they're just kind of like trying to say and it's like it's not working but then they just say it like like it worked right they flash the thing it doesn't work we're like no i know that happened your little flash thing didn't work you can't just keep saying that it didn't happen yeah it's um but but the problem is trey i will say the the thing that makes that strategy actually work when they try to memory hole things there's such a flood of information now. Like there's so many headlines, so many things coming out us day after day after day that it's hard. You can't possibly remember it all. So unless it's a major story that sticks, you are, you know, certain details are, you're just going to get, they're going to get fuzzy. And I know that's the way it is for me. I have to go back and look at these things. Um, But whenever you try to go back and look, go, go back and try to Google something that happened I mean, I can't even think of a topic off the top of my head, but you know, something that they're talking about now, but happened like two years ago, you Google it, you only get the results, like the recent ones. You won't get the one, even if you put in the date, it's just going to be buried by everybody talking about it now. And it's almost impossible to find. So it's, uh, you know, and then that's what we end up doing as part of our job, going down these rabbit holes to try to find things because who has the time for that stuff? 
So basically, we're doomed. Basically, no, we're kidding. doomed. No, I'm kidding. No, it's I'm not. Kidding. It is. It is just. It's just a frustrating trend. I hope that we can start to look at this and say, look, we need to. We need to kind of go back to the way we were. Like, let's not take COVID things and then make them stick, right? People did early voting on COVID so that they didn't have to gather at the polls in large numbers together because people allegedly were scared about being in large groups at the polls. That's why we did it. We didn't do this so it was like, oh, hey, this is convenient now. Let's just keep it. No, go back to the way it was. Um, they should have just put the polls in a Walmart store because they were right. You're allowed people. to do that. Right. Nobody was afraid to be in a super Walmart. Right. Say that much. Yeah, exactly. Or at uh, Nancy Pelosi's hair salon. You could do that. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go. And I think it's a good time to go into our next story. <laughs> Tennessee has a bizarre ban on the books preventing pastors from serving in the state legislature. But that could all change today. So what is going on with this one? Yeah, this is a wild story. So basically, the Tennessee Constitution bans ministers and preachers from serving in the state legislature. And um, this is something that was written into law in 1796. It's Article 8 of that Constitution. And, you know, it, it basically reads... Uh, let me just read you one line from it. Right. Therefore, no minister of the gospel or priest of any denomination, whatever, shall be eligible to a seat in either house of the legislature. Hmm. So that's what it says. So what is the, I mean, what is the heart behind that? Well, like everything else, when you go back to this time period, it's not very well documented, A, <laughs> and B, there's a debate about it, right? Yeah. Like, why was this put into effect? Was this a separation of church and state thing? The language was borrowed from England, but that line that I read, let me read the line before that, because it is interesting to this debate. It says, whereas the ministers of the gospel are by their professions dedicated to God and the case of souls and ought not be diverted from great duties of their functions. Yeah. So it sounds like the language is saying, look, don't distract the pastors and the preachers, let them do their thing. They're there to serve people. But there's a lot of discussion and debate about how there were numerous denominations that were not well liked. The Methodists were apparently very political and people didn't like that. So there did seem to be maybe some politicking <laughs> going on to try to keep some of these denominations out of politics. Yeah. I mean, and there also could be the the good reason of they didn't want uh, these people with souls to go to Washington and lose their souls where all the soulless <laughs> are. Um, but I'm kidding about that. Of course, there's there's at least one or two people that have a soul in Washington. But what could happen today on uh, on this? How could it change? Yeah, so people are being asked to vote on rescinding this. It, and now this is important. It has not been something that it's held no legal weight for 40 years because there was a Supreme Court case actually that dealt with this. Yet after that Supreme Court case, it wasn't taken out of the Constitution. So there's not legal weight to it. And in fact, there are at least three people right now in the legislature in Tennessee who are pastors, who, who have been pastors. So that's kind of interesting. But this would actually take the language out of the Constitution once and for all. It's the last state that has that language still in its Constitution. There were other states that had um, very similar things, including New York. So obviously we have a lot going on today on the election, a lot of big issues uh, that, that people are concerned about. Why, do you, why should this one matter here in the, in the mix of things? Yeah, I think it's actually important to the conversation about, you know, the, the separation of church and state and all these debates and discussions, remembering that you really can't have a law that precludes people from participating yeah. in the political process. You can't have a litmus test, which is why this was found to not be legal, even if it was good intentions, right? Even if we go with that, it's not okay to say these people cannot be part 
because of their religious affiliation. Yeah. It does seem like that idea, you know, having a litmus test seems to be getting challenged right now. I, I think a lot of people want to put in litmus tests. Well, I mean, we've seen that now with uh, during Trump's administration. We saw that with uh, Supreme Court nominees, right? With uh, with all of this questioning, Amy Coney Barrett obviously comes to mind yeah. uh, consistently the left questioning her for her her, her Catholic faith or Christian convictions on abortion being a, a big issue, obviously, uh, that was there. So, look, I think a lot of people on the left have interestingly been more open, at least elected officials, have been more open to, to just say, like, yeah, I, I think there should be a litmus test. But then if it's any other issue, if it's any other religion, of course, any ethnicity, then we're all on the same page and that's wrong. But with Christians... Uh, there seems to be a different standard, at least with one side of the aisle. Yeah, no, and I think, and I think we've seen that again. You mentioned like Bernie Sanders. We've seen it with there were a number of other people who openly said it. And yeah, at the end of the day, this is something that runs counter to the First Amendment: freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of association. These are things that are guaranteed. And just because there was a law in the books, you know, again, the Supreme Court has corrected those wrongs, and so it is good to get rid of the language. But it's also good to remember that this is something that did happen and it's important to keep away from those things. Yeah. And definitely worth keeping an eye on today as things unfold and keeping a, keeping a note of what happens on that one, given uh, what we just talked about here and how some of these old kind of customs and um, principles that we have here in America are being challenged right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, all right, Billy, thanks for bringing us that one. We're going to go into our main thing now and it is election day and David Brody, CBN's chief political analyst, Let's stop by to talk with Billy Hallowell about everything going on today, uh, everything you need to be looking out for, the key races and more on today's main thing. So, David, it is a big, big week. The midterm elections are upon us. Now, there's a lot of talk about this red wave. What say you? Is this going to happen? It, it feels like it is. Uh, of course, if I was in the prediction business, you know, I'd be on a beach somewhere in Tahiti. Uh, but, uh, you know, so who, who knows ultimately? But, yeah, it does feel red wave-ish. So what does that really mean when we keep saying red wave? Well, here's the way I break it down. If you're at 20 seats or under, if the Republicans win 20 seats or, or less, that's more like a ripple. If you're in the 20 to 35 category, that's the wave we're talking about. That's the sweet spot. If you're north of 35, we're into tsunami territory, the red tsunami. Uh, and I guess if it's over 50, then it's a royal kafefe or whatever Trump called that one time he said a kafefe. I'm still trying to figure out what a kafefe is. But the point is, is that I think we're going to be anywhere from 20 to 35. Personally, it could get into tsunami territory, possibly 35, 40. That is a distinct possibility as well, Billy. You know, that it's going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. One of the most intriguing pieces of this is when you look at the states, New York State, when you look at Los Angeles, I mean, you have these really interesting pockets that are traditionally very progressive and they look, even if there's not going to be a red wave there, they look like, wow, this is a little too close for comfort for Democrats. You want to address some of those races? There's no doubt about it. Look, if it's going to be a tsunami sort of night, uh, the Democrats will lose in typical Democrat places like New York State. And when I say New York State, let me be clear. New York State, when you look at upstate New York, it's relatively conservative. But I'm talking about that Hudson Valley, Westchester, a little bit north of New York City. Uh, I mean, I don't want to kind of geek out too much, but districts three and four, 17, 18, 19, 22, all up uh, the Hudson Valley 
uh, through Poughkeepsie. That's important. Uh, why? Crime is driving a lot of that. That's why Kathy Hochul could be in trouble in the governorship there against Lee Zeldin. You go out to the west and you see Oregon, uh, districts four, five, and six around the Portland suburbs, and you go, wait a minute, Portland? You mean the granola folks out there? But, you know, I mean, don't they? it's liberal out there. Yeah, it is. The problem is not just inflation, not just crime, but the homelessness has been a real problem out in Portland. And it's more visible out there because they don't have the inside shelters as much there that they do in Philadelphia, New York, and some of the East Coast cities. So that's been a problem. And then you go south, way south, down to the Rio Grande Valley, where they have great Tex-Mex, but they also have three key races down there, Philly, uh, Texas 15 and 34 and 28, three Hispanic women all Republican Hispanic women, all trying to unseat the Democrat. Look, they've been Democrat down there, you know, since I, well, I don't know, since my bar mitzvah. So it's been a very long time. Trust me, I don't want to do the math on that. But those are the three areas that I'm really looking at on election night. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at those areas, and I'm in Westchester, actually, and I will tell you, I have seen more Republican signs than I have ever seen before everywhere. You normally see none. Maybe you see one or two in an election cycle. You've got Mike Lawler signs up everywhere. You've got Lee Zeldin signs up everywhere. That is different from the past. And it's not just anecdotal. It's throughout Westchester County, which you which you mentioned. Now, it's interesting because after Roe v. Wade was overturned in the Dobbs decision, it seemed like a lot of Democrats thought abortion was going to be the winning issue. People were frustrated you, when you looked at polls. You know, a lot of people were saying they wished Roe didn't go away. Uh, but yet here we are a few months later and things look a little different, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, and here's the main reason why. Uh, the Republicans came out of, uh, after Roe got overturned, they came out of the, stum- uh, the, the, the gate, if you will, and kind of stumbled around wasn't quite sure what the, the talking point was. They weren't quite sure what to do specifically. But what happened was the Democrats gave them a, a get out of jail free card, if you will. And what happened was they went to the Senate in August and they went ahead and tried to pass, codify Roe v. Wade into law. They, they tried to codify this idea that you could have abortion on demand and an abortion anytime, even up and through the birth canal. And so at that point, it gave Republican candidates running all across the country a chance to pivot and say, wait a minute, why are you talking to me about this? Let's talk about the Democrats being extreme on abortion. They want to codify this into law all across the country, including abortion on demand. And I think that hurt the Democrats. And that's why it has dialed back in terms of an important issue uh, and why it won't be as big as the Democrats think it would have been back then. Right. And you have the economy, obviously, which is the biggest issue to so many people. And once things are off with the economy, people start to look around and look at other things, right? Well, what else is going on? And you have the education issue and not just education in general, which we know has always been an issue and it's become increasingly prevalent since COVID. But you have these issues of CRT, you have the gender issue, which is huge. How much do you think those factors are going to come into a into play for the midterms? Billy, that's such a great question. And you've kind of hit on something that I've been kind of harping on uh, privately to, to folks in the newsroom. And, you know, I'll say publicly, publicly and I'll say it here, which is I think the DNA to all of this is the mama bears, the papa bears, that school education, the CRT stuff, the school boards, that all the stuff we've been seeing online and elsewhere, uh, where the Democrats have lurched so far to the left that people are saying enough Enough. Now, it's manifesting in inflation to a degree. It's manifesting for sure in crime. Uh, but, but I think the, the underlying DNA of all of this is what's happening uh, at those school board meetings across the country with parents that are saying, wait a minute, look, OK, maybe I'm Democrat, maybe I'm moderate, but I'm not I'm not this. 
you know, I mean, you're, you're, you want to teach what to my child? You want to uh, check what book out of the library at school? Wait a minute here. And I think that's a real problem. And I think what you're going to see, Billy, and this is what I'm going to be looking at at election night, uh, certain uh, counties, certain su- suburbs across the country, I don't want to kind of geek out again, but out in Colorado in District 8 or North Carolina in 13, and I can go uh, all over the country, but you're going to see that suburb and uh, exurb uh, vote. You know, wh- what are the parents out there thinking? And a lot of it may be chalked up to inflation and crime, which is true, but I think there's more to that story, especially if it goes really bad for Democrats. Yeah, I mean, there was that one poll showing that 73% of voters said they'd be less likely to vote for a candidate who believed that you should transition a minor. I mean, that is a remarkable percentage of people saying, you know what, I'm not going to vote for those people. You have the president of the United States who's been very open on that issue, and he would fall into that type of candidate, right, that people would be have this aversion to. So these are big issues, and I appreciate you coming to talk with us today for this. Can't wait to chat with you again soon after the midterms to see what happens. You bet. And by, by the way, if I could just say one quick thing about what you said there, uh, the Hispanic vote, obviously crucial. Uh, but the wokeness that you just mentioned uh, has a lot to do with the Hispanic vote. We hear a lot about uh, what's important in Hispanics is inflation and crime and the border. And yet all of that's true. But the, they, many of them feel like they are awake now to the wokeness of the left. And look, Hispanics typically are traditionally conservative. They're very pro-family. Enough with the wokeness. I think that hurts Democrats a lot with the Hispanic vote. That's something I'm going to be watching uh, down in the Rio, Van, Rio Grande Valley and, of course, in Nevada, Arizona and elsewhere. And that has big implications for 2024 as well and beyond. That's so that's right. huge. Well, listen, David Brody, appreciate your time. You bet. Anytime, Billy. All right, Billy, David, thanks so much for that preview there. Obviously, uh, looking forward to discussing it all more uh, on our election coverage tonight. Don't miss that over on the CBN News YouTube channel and on the CBN News channel, cbnnews.com. One of the CBN News is just go there. You'll find one of our streams somewhere. Can't miss it. All right, that leaves us with time for uh, one last thing. And uh, Trey, where are we looking today? Yeah, so, well, it's obviously election day, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's been uh, the, the topic here. So First Timothy 2, 1 through 2, it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And look, there's a lot of different lessons and wisdom that we can pull out of that passage. But I think the takeaway for us right now is just to be in prayer for whoever's in authority. We don't know how this is all going to shake out tonight and in the days to come. But as believers, we have a responsibility and a duty to be prayerful for those who are in governing authority over us. Absolutely. We've got to humble ourselves because let's be frank, there's going to be people we don't like that get in there. <laughs> so we yeah. got to humble ourselves yeah. to do that and just trust God in this whole process. When you find yourself complaining the most about other people, that's when it's best to challenge yourself to say, have I prayed for that person today. Yeah, that's a great reminder. All right, well, that is all the time we have for this Election Day episode of the Quick Start Podcast. We are so glad you're here each and every day with us. We love having you here as we get through that news of the cray together. Why go at it alone? As always, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we'll be back here with more tomorrow. God bless. See you then.